Welcome to the Vision Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and everything happening at Vision, visit us online at visionnwa.com. So turn in your Bibles over to the book. We're going to be hanging out in some different places this morning, but I think if you go to Matthew chapter 2, you'll be pretty well on track with everything that I want to talk about this morning. You know, Christmas is a wonderful season. It's my favorite season. How many of you, it's your favorite season, Christmas season? All right, man. That's awesome. I love, I love everything about it. You know, the music. I, I even don't mind the music. Some people get annoyed by the music, but I, I appreciate music. <laughs> it's awesome. But Christmas is a word that means Christ's day or mass. And you know, it's interesting. Some people might be thinking, why do we celebrate Christmas on December 25th? How did we wind up celebrating it on the 25th? And, you know, Roman, in, the Roman, in, in Rome, back in the day, there used to be a couple of pagan holidays that they would celebrate. I'll give you the names of those. Those pagan holidays were um, Saturnalia and Sol Invictus. And these were celebrated during what we now, the week of what leads up to Christmas. I think it was the 17th through the 25th, somewhere in that neighborhood. And they would celebrate these holidays. But when Christianity became the Roman, um, became their religion, Catholicism. Some of you were Catholics. You've, you've come out of Catholicism. I know Chris and others. How many of the rest of you came out? Yeah. All right, so in the, in the Catholic Church, they had these holidays, but what they decided to do when the Romans became a Christian nation, they, they made that Christianity their religion. They took those two pagan holidays and they brought them to one and they called it the Feast of the Nativity, celebrating the birth of Christ specifically. So they went from, you know, having a pagan holidays to having a Christmas holiday, a holiday that became Christmas. And what had happened was there was a Christian historian. His name, uh, this is long about the second century AD. His name was Sexton Julius Africanus. And he had calculated Jesus' birth date to be somewhere around December 25th because he did the math backwards, thinking somewhere around what, March, April, somewhere around. Would, you know, if, if, if Jesus was conceived, it would give his birth somewhere around December 25th. And that date became widely accepted. And so now we celebrate Christmas. Now, I know the Bible says, hey, don't esteem one day over another. But how many of you are just thankful to have a day that we can celebrate his birth, his death, his resurrection, the whole thing? I know that every day is the best day to celebrate the birth, death, burial, resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But I just wanted to give you a little bit of history because for me, I'm, just, I'm happy to have a day that we just set aside to focus on him and be thankful for him. So who is this king of glory? In fact, in Psalms 24, verse 8, it says, who is this king of glory? So I want to start actually in Matthew chapter 1. Let's read a verse in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. I know I said chapter 2. But you guys also know that sometimes I say things and get them backwards. Never, never happens. Well, that would, man, I'd be like that guy in James if that never happened. I'd never, so, praise God. That's a, 
Something I'm striving for. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 says, And she will bring forth a son. And now this is, Joseph, this is an angel speaking to Joseph. You remember Joseph found out his woman promised to be married to him was with child. And so he was just going to put her away quietly. And the, spirit, or the, the angel came and appeared to him. And this is, the, this is that angel speaking to Joseph. He says, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Man. Why is this birth significant? Why is this so important? In the book of Genesis, in chapter 3, when, when God had created everything, you know, think about everything that God created. And he, and he created the earth, he created the planets, created the stars, created the atmosphere, everything that we see, he created. But then he created a place for Adam and Eve to live. He created Adam and Eve, he gave them a garden to to. To live in, and in that garden was every earth bearing seed. Everything that they needed was in the garden to replenish the earth, to fill the earth with plants and and produce. And and anyway, and so God created all that. Well, you remember there was one tree in the garden that that they were commanded not to eat from. You can eat from any other tree, just don't eat from this tree. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know that they sinned, they ate of the tree because they were deceived by the serpent. The serpent was possessed by the devil, Satan, and found a way to sneak into the garden to speak through the serpent and to deceive them. They ate of the, of the fruit, whatever it was. Some people think it might have looked like an apple, who knows. It was a fruit, and they, ate, they both ate of it. And then what happened? God cannot be where sin is. And so God could no longer fellowship with man the way that he wanted to. And so God had to come and talk with everybody. And so this is what God said to the serpent in verse 15 of chapter 3. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and and you will bruise his heel. So notice that immediately God had a plan. He's telling the serpent about his plan to bring back the people to him. Because now what sin did was it, it put a barrier between man and God. Later on, we would see that in the temple, that when they built the temple, that there was a curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the outer courts, right? Because sin can't be where God is. And so God was, I'm sure disappointed in this but he had a plan and he said I will send my son to the earth this is why this birth is significant this is why we celebrate Christmas the birth of Christ in fact many prophets in the Old Testament prophesied what would happen you remember Balaam in Numbers 24 there was a prophet by the name of Balaam and in verse 17 he said I see him but not now I behold him but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise in Israel. The prophet Isaiah prophesied as well in Isaiah 7, verse 14. He said, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And then then even Peter. Peter was one of the disciples. Now Jesus has already died 
uh, and he was, he was buried and he resurrected. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, Peter said, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. See, in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, they would bring sacrifices to present. And sacrifices would cover sin. But Jesus became the lamb that was slain for you and I. And he, didn't, he doesn't cover sin. He remits it, removes it as if it never happened. This is why sometimes when people keep in their mind, they keep being shamed or con convicted over the same sin. It shouldn't be that way. We need to recognize that Jesus' blood was enough and I have been made righteous in him because when I know I'm righteous, I can come confidently before the throne of grace and obtain mercy, find grace to help in time and need everything that I need to be successful in the Christian walk that God has called me to. Man, thank you, Jesus. Jesus came to bring back the world to God. That was his purpose. Jesus, that name means this. Yahweh is salvation, restoration, and deliverance. They called him Emmanuel. We know Emmanuel to mean God with us. It also is translated, God became one of us. This is important. He had to be born through a virgin. That's the only legal way to come to the planet. There's no other legal way to come to this planet except through birth. And so the, the Spirit of God, right? Uh, I'm looking for a better way to say that. Let me move forward, and then I'll come back to that. So you're still there in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Yes. All right. Verse 2, you remember that there were wise men that came from the east. Now, some of this might ruin the theology, and it might mess up your, your uh, manger scene that you have at home. But, you know, we, we've somehow come to the theology that there were maybe three wise men. There could have been more. We really don't know how many wise men there were. But the other thing I've discovered about wise men is that they traveled in entourages. They traveled in groups, usually about 70 or so, uh, some theologians estimate, because for safety when they would travel. And so here they've come from the east. And, and think about this. They've come into Jerusalem They've come to meet with Herod, and they're saying to Herod a, a very similar thing. You've heard people say, you're not, you know, he's not my president. I didn't vote for him. You've heard people say this. Well, in essence, that's what they were saying. Where is the one who was born king of the Jews? Because you're not the king. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what these guys are saying. And how can three wise men stir up the whole city? But you take 210 people. Now, that could stir up a city. And it said there was no small stir when these guys arrived. And then in verse, uh, in verse 2, they said, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star. Notice they call it his star. It wasn't the star of Bethlehem. It was his star. They saw it. They said, We have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Why would they come to worship a king? Because this is no ordinary king. This is a king of kings, the Lord 
of lords. Man. And so they came. They said, we've come to worship. Now, Herod, he's very fearful. They said that there was the whole, the whole city, the whole uh, town of Jerusalem was freaking out over this. And Herod called all the wise men, the priests, and he said, now tell me again, when was this guy supposed to be born, this king? And they quoted Micah, the prophet, in, in verse 6 of chapter 2. They said, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel, Jesus, the shepherd king. And so they reminded Herod. And so Herod says, hey, go and search for the child. And then let me know, because I want to come and worship too. He's not the first politician that's lied, right? And so, but here he is. (laughs) And so, oh yeah, okay, king. And so the wise men leave. And when they leave, suddenly the star appears again. And so they see this star and they follow it. And the star, interesting thing about the star is it stops over where the child is. And it stays there. I mean, when I look up, I see stars everywhere. But this is a different kind of star. This is a star that accentuated where the child is to the point to where they could tell it stopped over the child. And it's somehow letting them know this is where... The child is. And listen to what they said. It says, when they saw the star, they were ecstatic. They shouted. They celebrated with unrestrained joy. What is it about this whole thing that's causing them to shout with unrestrained joy, to celebrate? And so here they come. And then it says, they came into the house. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother. They were overcome. Falling to the ground at his feet, they worshipped him. And they had been studying. It's, they were obviously, they, they, they were astrologers to some degree because they watched the stars. They watched the constellations a lot. They, they could tell, they had studied them enough that they were beginning to read. Things were happening and a star was, came and led them on this long journey to Bethlehem and stopped over a baby and drew them into the house. What is drawing them into this house? The Spirit of God is drawing them. Why would they worship? Why would they fall to their feet? Why would they be overcame? You've seen a baby before, right? I mean, I've been overcome with cuteness. How many of you have been overcome with cuteness and and beauty and awe. And when I held my daughter for the first time, I just kept going, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I was overcome. But not to the point that I got down on my knees. And what drew them to get on their knees to worship? This is the king. The king. Not any king. This is the king. Man. Whew. And so they turned their backs on natural wisdom and they worshiped the wisdom of God. And then look at what else they did. Then it said, then they opened their treasure boxes. Their chest, another translation says, full of gifts. And they presented him with some interesting gifts. One was gold. Gold is often used as a symbol of deity, of the deity of Christ. 
Then they gave frankincense. Frankincense represents a life lived in holiness, excellence, and devotion. And then they presented the third gift, which I thought was so interesting, the gift of myrrh. And the reason I find it interesting is because it's an embalming spice representing the death that he would die, the price that he would pay. This is why he came. God needed a perfect lamb to be sacrificed so that you and I could come back into fellowship with him. That's why we're here. That's why we have church. It's because we gather together to give glory to the king. You know what we do when we come to church? We don't come to receive. For so many years, I I was taught, you know, you come to receive. No, you come to give. I've come to give my worship to God. I've come to give my treasure to him. Why? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. When I give my treasure, I give heart. Why do we give gifts to one another? Why do we exchange gifts at Christmas time? Because giving is the very essence of love. John 3, 16, the first eight words, for God so loved the world he gave. Giving. You can't love someone and not give to them. Not want to not do things for them. Want to bless them. Why? Because you love them. And your treasure represents your heart. Don't worry, I'm not, some of you look concerned. I'm not taking up an offering. I don't have a project. <laughs> it's, it's all good. Just wanted to, you know, set your mind at ease. So then, so Israel is looking for the arrival of this king. I mean, all these prophets, Balaam, Micah, Isaiah, others, Haggai, many other prophets had prophesied his coming. And so Israel is looking for the arrival, arrival, that's what I'm trying to say, of this king. And so look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Notice what the angel says to Mary in verse 33. He says, this king... This baby that you're going to give birth to. He will reign as king of Israel forever. And his reign will have no limit. There will be no fence line, no border. He will reign over everything. And he does reign. Then in verse 37, he said this. Not one promise from God is empty of power. For nothing is impossible with God. That's also translated the word of God will never fail. Oh man. Oh man, oh man. That's what this is another reason God said, listen, my word never returns to me void. It always accomplishes what I sent it to do. The most powerful thing that we can do as Christians, we can do as believers, is to take the word of God and put it in our mouths and declare it over a situation. When you're faced with different situations, different circumstances, different things come to your life, I'm telling you, don't run to the phone. (laughs) You know, we talked about last week, don't run to the phone, run to the throne. Run to your Bible. Take your Bible. Look for scriptures that you can stand on, that you can speak over your life, over your relationship, over the challenges that you're facing at work, over the financial situations that you're in. Lord, I thank you that I'm a tither. You know, you you can go to Malachi 3 and look at your covenant because you tithe. You know, when you have a covenant with God, man, 
Blessing. It is such a blessing because what it does is it puts protection around the things that you have. You don't put your money in, in pockets with holes in them anymore. Man. <clears throat> yeah. And so Jesus understood what he was fighting. Think about this. That, that word, Bethlehem, this is the name of the town that he was born in. Bethlehem was David's, King David's hometown. And Bethlehem means house of bread. Beth, house, lehem, bread. But lehem can also be, uh, be defined as fighting, fighters. So you take that, Bethlehem, house of fighters. Which makes sense too because this is Bethlehem. This is David, King David's hometown. He's one of the greatest fighters in the Bible, right? And so because it's the house of fighters, here is Jesus, the Messiah, supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So they think he's going to come and he's going to fight against Rome. He's going to rid Rome from there. We will no longer be under their dominion. We will be under, you know, the Messiah's rulership, his kingship, and that kingdom will last forever. But let me tell you something. How many of you know the spirit realm controls what happens in the natural realm? It happens in the spirit first, and then it affects us. God is the spirit. God said, let there be light. Light came on. Right? God is the spirit. God said, let there be, and there was. It happened. Okay, so, so if that's the case, Jesus didn't come to fight the Romans. In fact, we read about it in Ephesians, a very familiar verse. Verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Notice it says that I'm getting a phone call. I don't know why. Sorry. <laughs> turn, turn my message. Cut that off. So, but Jesus didn't come to fight a spiritual battle. Why? Because he knew that the enemy was where his fight was. Too often, we, we get caught up in fighting natural fights. We get caught up and somebody takes their gloves off like a hockey player and they put their dukes up and they're ready to get it on. And, and you can fight that way if you choose to. But I'm telling you, that's not our fight. Flesh and blood is not who we're fighting. We fight in the spirit realm. I was praying this morning. I was up early. Chris joined me. I, I didn't know. He told me later. Uh, he was up in the middle of the night too praying. I don't know why, but God gets me up in the middle of the night. and So I just go pray, man. And, and so I was praying this morning, and I was asking God. I said, Lord, how can I be praying over these elections? He said, I've already told you how to pray. I said, well, Lord, I need you to remind me. I'm sorry. Because I, obviously I've forgotten. And he said, he said, well, the gallows that Haman built for Mordecai, he's going to hang on himself. I said, I said, praise God, that's scripture, man. And I began to pray that. I said, well, God, I pray that right now. I just thank you, Lord, that the gallows, the gallows that was intended for Mordecai, Haman will hang on. And it's going to be amazing. Thank you, God for bringing things to light. Thank you, Lord, that you're working in our land. But how many of you know, though, it's so much better to have Scripture to stand on to pray? Because otherwise, I'm praying my opinion. 
my thoughts. Words that fill, it's not Phil's words that change things out here. It's God's word coming out of me. Man, this is why God told Joshua, he said, listen, this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. That means it'll always be in here. That's, that means it'll always come out of your mouth regarding situation. When your toothpaste gets squeezed, the word of God's going to come out. Not blankety, blankety, blank, and wish that blankety hadn't happened. You know, it's, that's not what it's going to be. It's going to be when you get squeezed, the word of God will begin to come out of you. But you have to deposit it, have to get it on the inside of it. Of you, Amen. So Jesus didn't come to fight a natural battle. He came to fight spirits of darkness. And then in Luke chapter 2, and we go on in verse 8, and I'm going to wrap up here. And then, then I just want us to worship God a little bit. Is that okay? Luke chapter 2, look at verse 8. It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people, or to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David who is Christ, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So this is the sign. <clears throat> and then it said, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. And they began to sing. So here the angels have a choir now that has suddenly appeared. <laughs> and they're going to do a concert for the shepherds. Come on, man. Wow. The other, the other day, you know how you can get on YouTube and sometimes one video will lead you to another one? And, and I, I hadn't heard this song in a long time, but somebody had made the statement um, that reminded me of this song. Uh, and so I pulled it up, and it was one of the songs from the Prince of Egypt. You remember when he sings about, you, you, you know, you got to join, you got to learn to join the dance? What's the name of the song? Yeah, Look Through Heaven's Eyes. And so... So I just watched the video because I just wanted to hear the song again. I just like the guy's voice, you know. And I mean, it's just a great song. And, and uh, so I'm listening to this song. Well, then on the next video down on YouTube, it was the guy that originally sang that song. And he's with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir and a 30-piece orchestra. And he's doing that song. Well, I had to watch that one. <laughs> I mean, because that's... It's the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, man. Come on. And so think about a choir 10 times that size suddenly appearing. And these shepherds. Could you imagine? And they begin to sing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.